connecting to the AOC Podcast Network. Enjoy your stay. AOC Community Media presents Mind on Media. coordinator with AOC and I am here with the rest of our AOC game and we are back for more conscious conversations with Mind on Media. And this past weekend we watched the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 55. And we did notice quite a few things differently about game time during this very precedented year. Many companies and brands were very hesitant this year to run their ads or go really big with their messages at all during the game um, because they were pretty unsure of how to hit the right note amid the country's current crisis. So as the world of advertising in general has been so shaken up by this pandemic, we as media consumers have to start thinking more critically about how the industry is shifting to adjust to that and how it's evolving to meet the, the needs of new age consumer habits and our lifestyles, our values, and our challenges as well. So today we are continuing our media literacy chat as we deconstruct some of these uh, interesting Super Bowl ads and discuss the future of the digital advertising industry in general. So uh, we'll go ahead and kick off this conversation today. Um, I don't know if you guys had to see too many of them, but um, I did sort of share a playlist that William shared with me. Thanks for that, William, that sort of outlined all of the Super Bowl commercials for this year. Um, in the commercials that you guys saw, I mean, whether we're speaking even this year or there are some previous years that you can sort of uh, think about, which ads do you sort of feel were most effective in getting you as the viewer to do or buy something? Were there any ads that particularly stuck out to you that you want to uh, speak on today? Um, oh, if, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead. Uh, I, I don't know if this year I didn't watch all of them, but I know that Doritos in the past has always been something that they've they've even made a contest out of. So they get the, the public involved to try to make something uh, that catches your attention, you know, kind of like we were talking about last episode with urgency and color for the youth, you know, and uh, just being chaotic. Uh, it sort of still applies to adults, you know, even today. Uh, yeah, they just... Uh, they try to make something that's, you know, a food, something that's easy to easily grab at the, you know, the impulse buy at the, the grocery store. And then they're trying to make it look luxurious and something that's higher and, and tops everything else. So it's cool to see that they can be so creative and even involve um, outside influence, you know, uh, to try to make content. Um, but that's that's very far and few in between. Most of them are all you know, big corporations trying to jam it down your throat. So uh, it's just one of my favorites with the Doritos commercials. I know for me, mostly just for nostalgia's sake, because we grew up listening to Dolly Parton, the Dolly Parton rework of, of nine to five. I definitely had conflicting feelings about it, but, uh, but it caught my ear just cause I like Dolly. When I would definitely hit the, Hey, William, your, your mic's mutant and unmutant. 
Oh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, no, what I was saying was that, yeah, the Dolly Parton uh, 9 to 5 it caught my attention, yeah, like it because it hit me in the nostalgia. Uh, so while it caught my attention, I can't say that that's super effective, but I mean, as long as it's getting in your ears, right, that they would consider that a success. It's like Ashton Kutcher, too. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. No, what were you going to say, please? Oh, I was just going to say <clears throat> the Ashton Kutcher, <clears throat> sorry, Milo Kunitz thing, since they were on the 70s show, um, it kind of reaches that nostalgia bone, too, even though that show is not too old. But, I mean, it, it's gone on for over Right, but if years. you enjoyed it, yeah, it, it would be yeah. You definitely relate to them too, kind of thing. My only problem with that commercial, and it, this isn't even my unique criticism, but I had to go look it up when somebody, when Neil Brennan was talking about it on his podcast. Why did he have to sing? It was like distracting. It was. It wasn't like good or even bad. Bad enough to be good. It was like just real bad. Like he could have just talked it, and it would have been fine. Because it's Ashton. He's the so whole, hot. The whole Super Bowl ad is um, Super Bowl ads are not like other ads in the, because they're expected to tell a tale and to weave a whole story and to do more than sell a product. They've got to engage you in a more... They're, they're, they're just different because of the, the place they're being displayed. They, they're, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here other than the, the the examples that are packed jammed up with faces you recognize, overpaid celebrities, they they don't do that when they're just trying to sell you normal insurance. They do all that stuff to get you engaged at a more intense level because you identify with those people. So that use of celebrity uh, at an extreme cost to the point sometimes they almost don't even tell you what the dead gum product is and they seldom ever tell you what the product benefit is. It, it, uh, but you're, Hey, look, those people I admire are doing this and it must be good because they, they're in the commercial. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, I'm never going to buy a Jeep now because he's a communist and he's, I did something about Jeeps. All that to me is part of a, a, a bigger problem. Uh, I'm old enough to think in the old days in advertising, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, they, they they find a need and they tell you why their product will fix it, and then they ask you to buy one. That's almost the formula. And nowadays, that's out the window. You know, look, we got peacocks over here, and then we got the, my rent is over. Thanks for coming. Well, and speaking of the the Springsteen Jeep ad, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but that one was strikingly missing from that playlist, and that's because you can't find it on YouTube anymore. Jeep has pulled that ad. Uh, <coughs> and I had heard that there was, like, some uproar about it, at least in our local community, in our, like, local Jeep community, uh, but I never got a chance to see it before the whole ad was pulled. Can somebody explain to me what that controversy was about? Does it? I mean, Bruce it, is it, it really? Is, is it really as? Is it as simple as that? Is that he was being a liberal on on a commercial and Jeep owners didn't like that? I mean, because I really didn't get a chance to see it before it was pulled. I haven't really been following, but if I had to guess, that seems like that would be the guess to me. Is just a tribal thing. Uh, I've heard similar that it's uh, he's one of them. So now I'm against him. So I'm going to go set my Jeep on fire. That's wild. Or <laughs> you throw a coffee maker away, but it's another thing to burn your Jeep. That's some dedication right there. 
Well, seeing on the and I was wondering, I thought the backlash because I had heard something about backlash for the the Bruce and the Jeep, and my thinking was that it would go the other way, and that liberals would be mad at Bruce for endorsing a gas guzzler. Well, they're they're mad at him for selling out because musicians somehow are not supposed to sell their works to the commercial audiences. So Bruce is catching flack all the way around, and Jeep is probably being strategic by taking it away which will increase demand and they'll roll it back out again in some other sort of a news wrapper that says this commercial caused news and so forth. It actually well, got pulled because it got uh, charged with DUI last year. In that oh, yeah. That's that's, what yeah. That's what I was going to say. They don't even Are mention the controversy. Yeah. That's what it's about. It's because he had a DUI facts, last year. Uh, facts. Double check, y'all, because facts are trickling out on that, and that may not be what the headlines said yesterday, because the headlines today is that he was at, like, 25% of the legal limit. Yeah, the whole story, I heard, so say, the whole story this morning. He was at a bike show, standing next to a motorcycle, and a a friend, and he was slapped five in and everything, and the friend handed him a shot of tequila, so he shot it. And then the cop walked over, and apparently, as soon as he straddled the bike, arrested him for drunk driving, and he tested at a point oh, he, he wasn't drunk. He didn't test drunk, uh, and I'm not even sure he was really driving. But he he took a shot of tequila in front of the cop. Cop saw it, and uh, bada bing, bada boom. As Lavar Burton says, though, don't take our word for it. Find out for yourself. That's, that's, that's the point of this whole dadgum program, media literacy, is don't listen to what we told you and don't listen to the people that told us. Go find out for yourself. But well, and, and if you guys want some sources, the, the National Park Services has spoken up uh, and they say he was arrested in Gateway National Recreation Area on the New Jersey coast uh, with a, a .02 blood alcohol content, which is one-fourth of New Jersey's legal limit. Uh, but it seems to be the case that, like, drink, yeah, drinking where he was drinking is also uh, <clears throat> against the National Park Service's rules, and so there was more than just, uh, like, blood alcohol. Can't tell you how much happier and safer I feel now. It's just astounding. I'm like, I'm jumping <laughs> off my shoulders. That the Bruce is not out there driving a motorcycle in a national park for two feet. But that points out to the danger of picking a superstar because every superstar carries baggage. Um, and sometimes they carry baggage that, that might, might make the news. And uh, the kickback against Bruce was before he got drunk. It was about him being a liberal and selling his music to a gas guzzler. Um, you know, you got to be careful. If Ashton Kushner gets arrested tomorrow for pedophilia or something, the whole whatever he was trying to sell to going down the toilet. Um, so there's there's some risk and reward there. Just to me, an astounding amount of money for a 30-second impact. You know, that's, uh, I, I was, again, I'll reference Neil Brennan. Uh, he's got a podcast called How Neil Feel. He is a comedian. He used to, uh, he was a co-producer of the Dave Chappelle show. Um, and he has directed like a ton of commercials. Like that's one of his biggest paying gigs. He directs, he did like the Sprite commercial with uh, somebody that was, that got kind of famous, I think. Um, but he talked about Super Bowl commercials from that director perspective. And his take on it is like a huge sink of money. That's all it's about. And his 
part of his problem with him too, being a director himself, is he says that you can't really make a good Super Bowl commercial because they're going to pack it with so much that you just won't be able to get anything meaningful. And he's talking particularly about jokes, but uh, he did one with like uh, the the singer uh, Chrissy Teigen's husband and Chrissy Teigen. Um, and he said, you know, they were great in the commercial. It was, they were good performers, but they all knew it was just like the work itself was terrible. Like it just wasn't a good presentation, but the people who were paying for it said, no, that's what we want. And so they said, okay, we'll take our millions. I think if anything, it's kind of, I'm glad that you guys kind of, um, touched on it sort of, um, in this moment where I guess just cancel culture is such a thing and it's it's such an all-time high. Um, a lot of these companies are at least trying to get a bit more conscious about um, what they're representing, you know, their values, what they're reflecting with, um, whether it is the, the celebrities that they use and, and, and those sort of that thing. So I, I think it's interesting that that sort of um, came up because I think people should uh, definitely um, recognize that advertising sort of feels like it's going that direction. Um, a lot of these companies just feel that they have more responsibility um, to just, I guess, just reflect their values. But um, I don't know. Do you guys think that that, that cancel culture is really um, something that, that is a thing that, that more individuals should be uh, conscious of, I guess? Or do you feel like it has a place? Well, what are your take on that? I, I just saw that the actress who plays uh, some drop trooper in The Mandalorian was cut from The Mandalorian because she's, a, you know, an annoying vocal conservative on Twitter. Uh, well, there was there was a specific line, I think, that they said crossed the line. I don't remember exactly, well, yeah, exactly what it was, but it exactly. involved yeah. Jewish people, but that's I the think. Thing. The, the fact that a line crosses the line, the fact that you can be you know, a uh, racist on Twitter, and then you don't have your job anymore. It, it, it's just, to me, it, it seems like, it seems like this overcorrection and like this, this place where we feel like warriors when what we're really doing is just, you know, being, uh, uh, I don't know, being like teacher's pet and, and wanting to, oh, look, somebody said something you know, meanwhile, out there in the world, there's a soup kitchen you could be at. There's you know, there, there's there's probably someone on your block that could use a hand with their yard or or, or with something in their house. You know, th th there's things that we can do in the world that can have a positive impact. And policing people who believe differently than us and who maybe say things that we cringe at, that's not doing it. Sorry, you're not making the world a better place by getting this person pulled from her job. Yeah, you're yeah, she I think she's stupid. I think the anti-mask point of view that she takes is ludicrous. But I'm tired of of now, you know, people say, "Oh, oh, you use a word that that makes some people feel bad." You know, it's just what are we doing? What effect do our actions have on the world at large? And what effect do we want them to have? And and, and I think the policing of language is just the huge uh, uh, mask that allows us to not have any real effect on the world. Instead, we have what we perceive as a real effect. 
I think businesses are just protecting their bottom line as they've always done. I'm not making a judgment on right or wrong about it, but I'm saying that Disney made a calculated decision that they'd lose more money if they kept her than they did. Yeah, that, that, that's likely uh, that they made that calculation. I don't know if that calculation is accurate, but, uh, but the point is, you know, Disney plus, sorry, they're not going to lose any money. <laughs> that, that, that thing is just pulling in like $5 billion a month from subscribers. And these, you know, token warriors on the internet aren't going to unsubscribe. So it was at this point that I had realized we had branched off into a bit of a separate podcast topic. So make sure you join us for the next episode where we wrap up our final thoughts. Mind on Media is a presentation of AOC Community Media. Our producer is Christy Tracy. Contributors include Mandy Ayo, Ed Bowie, Joe Ferguson, Bethany Ivey, William McFarlane, Matt Roberts, Skip Shannon, and Jacob White. For more information about media literacy and more, visit AOCINC.org. While you're there, become a member and a media creator. Click the Join button and join our community of producers. Check out our YouTube channel, AOC Community Media, for tutorials and videos from our community producers. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for AOC Community Media.